What is happening, my sprudes and spruettes? We are back for episode six of Trapped Under Plastic. I'm John. I'm Scott. And uh, we're here. We're here. We're going to start this. We're not going to describe the layout of the podcast <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but we can describe that we're not describing it. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. We can also say that if you're just stumbling upon this podcast, this is the podcast for the miniature hobby enthusiast. And we'll keep it at that. And that's it. That's good. That's and good. If you're watching the video, you, you might notice a little change in the set. If you listen to the audio, maybe the audio quality got a little bit worse. Um, my space in the basement where I shoot YouTube videos, which is where we also shoot the podcast, is in a a state of transition mm, it's in a new flowering version of its existence yes so we're we're trying to find an area to put the podcast and we're trying this out with a whole table in between us inspired mm-hmm. by the likes of the joe rogan experience podcast and other ones like it yeah we need more crap on the table if it was going to be more joe rogan like is there crap on the table? it's like it's all over on the sides and sometimes like he builds a wall of stuff depending on how much he likes the guest <laughs> that's just maybe that's in my brain and that's how it works yeah they but, have like weird red velvet curtains like behind yeah. the guests here or something like that <clears throat> yeah yeah um so i want to start this episode with a little story okay i always so, like stories okay so so folks probably do not realize and i wouldn't expect them to um, that Scott and I don't exactly live super close to each other. No. Yeah. We have, live about 70 miles apart. And so when it's podcast day, um, I get in my truck and I drive, mm-hmm. um, usually takes me about an hour and 15, an hour and a half to get here. Mm-hmm. Well, as it is now November in Minnesota, um, we got snow. Like you didn't get much snow up here. When I left this morning, we had four inches accumulation on the ground what? and it was still coming down like mad. So it, as I got further north, the snow slowly tapered off. Yeah. But, you know, once we hit November in Minnesota, it quickly becomes this Arctic wasteland <laughs> akin to north of the wall. Yeah. So, <laughs> AKA yeah. Canada. Right. <laughs> well, I was t- it was a Game of Thrones reference. No, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> oh, right. Canada. Can- Canadians are white, lo- yeah. white lockers, apparently. <laughs> it makes sense. With, with maple syrup. <laughs> um, um, so uh, it was a little bit slow going there. Uh, it ended up taking me two and a half hours to get here. Yikes. And it, it wasn't because of the weather so much. Once I got most of the way here and the ground was basically bare, you had just had a little dusting of snow, um, I hit bumper to bumper traffic for almost an hour where idiots just drive like they're the bus in speed and it's made of bomb (laughs) and they just like i don't understand the mental prowess that you it takes to just like swerve into bridge embankment (laughs) and it's just i get so mad i was so mad i'm like this is not a good mental space was this was this 35e no this is 52 the entire way 52 was the problem yes the entire way once i got on to 94 um it cleared up and here's the story behind it clearing up okay so i am like white knuckle rage i'm usually pretty you know pretty happy guy you know um but sometimes some things just trigger me and i was pretty triggered i was so ticked off i was thinking bagels this morning Mm. you know as is tradition right normally normally do breakfast yep and i'm like we ain't gonna have time for that yeah we got that's okay we got stuff to do um and so I'm just bare knuckle rage. I'm like, look, I'm going to try to find, I'm going to click through the radio 
I'm going to see if I can find a song that will change my mood. Okay. And the second station I stopped on was playing. Can I guess? Okay. Captain Under Ice? No. Ah! <laughs> no, that would have been great. Man, I should have made that up. That would have been a way better story. <laughs> um, it was playing Africa by Toto. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so I don't know if anybody does this other than me. Um, comment either uh, in the comments below or join our Facebook group. Oh, Okay, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about that a little bit and yeah. comment. Is anybody else, um, like, if you're, like, driving, especially by yourself or you're, like, in your hobby room, a song comes on, you ever, like, make your own music video in your head? Oh. Hmm. Not while I'm listening to the music, but, I mean, I've, I've thought about in the past as a fun video project just to make a music video for a song that already exists, but I don't do it while I'm singing or listening to it. Okay. All right. This is a John I, thing. Yeah, just me. Okay. <laughs> I'm hoping I'm not the only one, <laughs> but, uh, so in my head, I am, I am playing out Africa because, which is, as I interpret it, it's, it's about a man that will cross the plains of Africa just to get to his, his woman. Okay. But in my version, we're in the Arctic wasteland and I am trudging through the snow in a blizzard and far off in the distance, there's this lone cabin. You can just see the one one light with the window uh, that's coming from the fireplace, this reddish glow. And sitting huddled beside that fireplace with a microphone in front of him is Scott. <laughs> and he's waiting for me to record a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I sent him a picture of the fully set up like, set and I was like... I'm ready for you. <laughs> and you were like, still like, like 45 minutes out. Yeah. 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 And so I, I, that made me laugh. <laughs> You're the one crossing the frozen tundra. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. It okay. wasn't Africa. It was the frozen wasteland. It wasn't snow down in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, my love. It was a, <laughs> a nerd with the microphone. <laughs> All right. Awesome. All right, so, so then that, that got me through the last 30 minutes of the drive. Well, you made it here. We're doing it. Uh, and that's all that matters. Right. So basically the, the summary of this is that thank you to our patrons for paying for the gas for my truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not the greatest fuel economy on that beast. What is it? 21 on the highway? <laughs> uh, 24. Okay. But when you're in traffic, I it's assume like 18, it's, yeah. 16. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's a little bit better than I thought it would be, but all right. Um, in other news we uh hinted at this but there is a facebook group for all you sprudes and spruettes uh to share what you guys have painted in the last two weeks whenever we put out an episode we kind of pose that question for ourselves and also for our community mm -hmm. so it's linked in the description and in the show notes as well if you're listening so you can go check it out and join yeah and we, we we've already even though we haven't like spread the word on it too vastly yet we already have a, a ton of people in there and folks are sharing their work um and uh they're getting c and c and um we're getting some really good some good traffic some good feedback some really awesome painters and yeah and so uh i'm happy to have it yeah another mention that i just thought of right now because you made a reference to speed earlier yeah. And I don't know if this is a thing, but I think you make a lot of references. Um, yeah. Maybe you don't. Maybe you make a normal amount of references. <laughs> but Just there was a reference last episode that I did not get that I got 
lambasted for in the comment section. And that was to Altered Beast and Double Dragon. Yeah, you and, got Double Dragon crucified. <laughs> yeah, I did. So <laughs> my uh, one of my best friends, uh, Ian, commented and he said, uh, I was born a day after Scott and I still know Double Dragon and Altered Beast. Um, and that's true. And so I looked it up. I was like, okay, what the heck is this? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, is that a movie? It's a, it's a console video game. Yeah. And the reason why I don't know this is because I, uh, I wasn't allowed to have consoles as a child. I, yeah. My first gaming experience was Warcraft 3 on the computer when I oh. was a fifth grader. Fifth grader. That's a pretty good first experience. Yeah. Though. But yeah. never had... I, the first console I had was a PS2 when I was a sophomore in high school. So I missed hmm. the whole like old console thing mm. does that does that redeem me at all no <laughs> <laughs> all right but i i empathize okay. i empathize with you <laughs> um i also had i had a friend growing up that his parents wouldn't let him have consoles so you do what any good red-blooded american would do is you, you hang let, out with yeah, your friends yeah you let him have your console and hang out and play yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that, so, that's what Ian did for me. Uh, I mentioned earlier, went over to his house and played all kinds of video games. Metal Gear Solid, everything. There you go. Yeah, and Double Dragon did become a movie, which I oh. would encourage you to not watch because <laughs> it's no? as bad as it sounds. It seems like Arnold Schwarzenegger it would be in it. No, they're kind of karate bros. I mean, it's kind of okay, like okay, okay. Uh, Ryu and Ken from Street Fighter kind of okay, okay. vibe. I understand that reference. Okay. Go. <laughs> But yeah, if you didn't get that one, you you're gonna be in trouble. I've always been more of a PC game elitist, anyways. So if I didn't understand a console reference, I'd just be like, I don't care. Yeah, it's only in the origin of the entire hobby. Oh, technically, it would be. You think Street arc- Fighter arc- is the origin? Arcade, arcade arcade cabinets would be the origin, and then what? home versions consoles from there. Okay. Okay. Like, I you think, wouldn't have computer games if not for... Oh, oh, the their, hobby as in gaming. Yes. Okay. Video okay. game. I got you. I was like, the hobby as in miniature painting? Like, yeah. like arcade cabinets? But no. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I was a kid, like, I mean, I don't know. It was super expensive to own a computer. Yeah. Um. So even though my dad worked for IBM and we eventually got one. Oh, um, you got a supercomputer. <laughs> right. It was it filled it, up one of your bedrooms. Yeah. It was the basement. <laughs> His name was Carl. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, it was, I mean, I was a Nintendo kid, but Sega, uh, Sega does what Nintendo don't. So. Oh, um, so I was, did you just make that up or is that a thing? Well, that's a, that's advertising for Sega in the oh, late that's 80s. Nice. That's um, nice. Yeah, it's it's very good. Uh, so anyway, let's let's get off of this video game stuff. We haven't talked about miniature painting at all, and we are probably what twenty minutes in. <laughs> yeah, we're like t- ten minutes in, twelve yeah. minutes in. <laughs> all right. So the first thing we do in this podcast is talk about uh, what we've painted in the last two weeks. And I always ask you to go first, so I'll go first this time just to take some heat off of you. Um, I uh, had Mantic the game company reached out to me to paint something up for the release of their third edition of Kings of War. And there's a concept in miniature war gaming, not just in Kings of War, but in all war gaming called multi-basing. You know what this concept mm-hmm. is? Yeah, so it's it, it's the idea where you can have an entire unit on a single base, and then you probably use some token or some indicator as to how many wounds that like unit has, has taken so you can keep track of it. The alternative being like, Warhammer Fantasy or Age of Sigmar, where every single model has its individual base, and then when a unit dies, you just remove the whole model. 
So um, I had, I mean, I, I was aware of it, but I had forgotten about it for a long time. And so they reached out to me and they're like, do you want to make a video where you kind of do a video about like the art of multi multi-basing? And I was like, that sounds like right up my alley. I love basing. And so That's like cool. the opportunity to do like a, almost like a, I want to call it a gaming diorama. Yeah. It's not like I'm pouring my heart and soul into it, but it's, it's way cooler than an individual 32 mil diameter base could ever be. You can't yeah. fit an igloo on, on that. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I made a, a big, a big base uh, with three igloos on it. And I put a bunch of dudes on it. And so what I painted was the base, but I also batch painted a unit of 15 of these like, tribesmen or inuit or or whatever they were these frosty gals and uh, gals and guys and i haven't batch painted something in a long time Mm. and i hate it (laughs) (laughs) it sucks um i made a video about the process and kind of revisited contrast paints again for the purposes of speed painting even like with all these tricks and whatnot it's still felt like it took forever still like, daunting i don't know 15 guys probably took me like 20 to 30 hours that seems too long oh god right? that seems that seems wrong that's that you can't multiply that by a, a number that we can accomplish in a weekend for an army yeah right <laughs> so i gotta figure something out um i don't know maybe, maybe prep is really important when it comes to painting armies um but i i didn't have any prep i just kind of just jumped into it and kind of yeah. guessed what would work best um but yeah, that, that that's what I painted. I I think that the you know having your own mini diorama with your unit like that looks so much cooler than what just those guys on the base and you put some snow and it was all flat would look. Yeah, I, I think so too. Maybe like a rock or a tuft. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I was kind of getting heat for on that base, not really, but a little bit, is just this is idea of MMC, uh, minimum model count. Apparently, the base I got was a horde base, and to have it be accurate it needs minimum model model count of 75 percent of what's expected to be on the base plus one so for a horde base it's 40 models <laughs> <laughs> three quarters being 30 plus one being 31 so to be legal for kings of war it would need 31 or, or something like that maybe, maybe it's not 40 maybe it's, maybe it's 30 but i was told uh 15 dudes so i did 15 uh, but it didn't really matter I, like the whole spirit of the video is about about right. the diorama of the base you, what um, you tell your opponent is the, the rest of them are in the igloos yeah damn it. <laughs> exactly um they're there most people were like if i was playing you in a games of kings of war i'd be totally okay with it because it just looks cool yeah. um so yeah I, did, I didn't know that but yeah they're like base sizes and based on what size the base is i just said base like seven times um you have to have a certain amount of minis on it. So I learned that. Um, Song of Ice and Fire does the similar tray kind of thing too, don't they? Although they still have their, I can't, I think they still have their individual bases too. And didn't Warhammer Fantasy used to have that where they had like the big square things, but you put all your ranks in there on their individual bases. Yeah. So they had this thing called movement trays, Mm -hmm. um, but it was nothing more than a tray. The models slotted perfectly into it. Um, Some people, myself included would would paint the edge of the movement tray to match the base of the guys inside of it so yeah. it like one giant chunk of like terrain that's moving around um but it was nothing like this um yeah like the 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 uh, song of ice and fire has like inserts to put the miles in similar to the the square movement tray thing but the bases are circle oh okay so it's they can similar they're little holes where they all fit exactly in there. yeah yeah and third-party companies do that for gw2 you can get the movement yeah things yeah which i use because when, when i'm pushing 
120 skeletons across the board, doing that one at a time. Not very fun. Soon to be less OCR skeletons. Uh, well, I'm looking about 80 or 90 in my army, so not a whole less. lot less. <laughs> <laughs> I figured they're more elite skeletons, so it cost more points, and there'd be less of them. Um, but the the best melee unit in their whole army is the big blocks of 40 more tech guard which are their skeletons and it's just because of volume of models right just bodies That's the way the game works you, if you have one giant dragon or you have 400 little skaven rats the 400 skaven rats will always win because they can swarm the objective mm. or they can and you just insert, can't kill them fast enough yeah you can't kill that number of wounds as opposed to your 16 wound dragon you know and that 16 wound dragon counts as one model on the objective could you reduce the strategy of modern age of sigmar to point to wound uh analysis so it's just like the the more wounds i can get on a table with less points spent is the better list um is that it, half of the it, equation it, i mean it's a it, it is definitely part of the equation okay. you i mean you always want to do total wound count on your army to know like all right my army looks really super good um it looks really powerful really killy but it's only 65 wounds that's and then low. i'm and then i'm going against a, a skaven player that's got a, 160 like i'm just not gonna how much extra effort i have to put in to make up for the lack of what they need to kill versus what i need to kill there's there's obviously a ton more like factors in it but it's that is a ideal starting point i i want to do an episode of the podcast just about this i don't know if, if like the strategy of age of sigmar is a thing because myself and probably other people out there probably look at age of sigmar and they think that's not a very tactically deep game mm -hmm. and uh, me and john are lucky to have a person by the name of joe creer who lives in the twin city areas who's a very proficient player in age of sigmar and is placed in several global tournaments in it and having him on to share his opinions on like whether or not the game is tactical would be it'd be interesting because i think at face value the game seems pretty pretty bare bones um yeah but there's there, more to it obviously and it's really interesting because i've i've played joe actually i played him in in the championship round of a local tournament cool uh and he whipped my butt um, and that was a probably with some cheese, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, his army is super cheesy. Super cheese. Yeah, but you know what? I learned a ton. So many little intricacies that he did that most of us don't do is the difference between going three and two at an event, or going four and one, or five and all. Like, yeah, that's the last. You know, that last ten percent is the hardest hill to climb. He's really good. I actually kind of got into a tip with him on the. Facebook. I know. I saw about a strat. About a strat. <laughs> I saw. Yeah, yeah. The the OCR four catapult strat or two yeah, catapult yeah, yeah. or whatever well, it is. It, we had a disagreement over one of the command abilities of the cavalry guys. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, inter interpretation of rules. Okay, but I was right. So yeah, <laughs> I, I read the conversation. I was like, I have no idea what's going, what's going on, on here. Um, um, but yeah, so that's that's why I painted mantic mantic uh, diorama cool. gaming base. Cool. What'd you do? Um, so. <laughs> Here's a problem. Um, <laughs> That's these, not how you start. Yeah. What did you paint, John? <laughs> um, we have had an issue. Uh, so <laughs> new army comes out. I spend way too much money. Tell me how much you spent. Can you tell me? Uh, more than $500. Oh, God. This guy's over here complaining about the cost of cinema gear. Spends, I don't know, probably five fifty, six hundred 600 bucks on a fucking new army. And you have 
Like, how much of your uh, undead armies I'm painted? My like my regular death army. Yeah, but just it's, let's round up to all of it. <laughs> Shame! Shame! Uh, yeah, but I can still use some of my good stuff from that army in this one. Okay, I can, right. I can use Nagash and I can use Archon. Well, oh, it, are either of them painted? No, no. <laughs> hey, Square one. This is uh, at this point. I have an excuse where I'm like, look, we have this video idea where. I can't paint stuff now because we're gonna need to have it all painted then. Oh, oh, okay. Are you are we spoiling this a little bit? That's we... all we're gonna say. Okay, all right. That's all we're gonna say. Uh, so I've been like uh, building models and not painting, <laughs> which is dumb. Um, I have painted some more on my dragon for resin beast, and I have done a more conversion work for my piece for golden demon, but I ha- I just haven't put a lot of paint on models sure that's um, fine i have a i have a new trick though okay all right i'm gonna i was gonna share this nugget in a video one day and people will probably forget anyway so i'm gonna share it now you, okay the thing one thing i learned about youtube is you can repeat yourself so many times and no one will care okay okay all right yeah so here's my here's my tip so i i told you that i've been um watching a lot of videos about kind of like TED Talk style videos mm-hmm. about traditional art, yeah. about traditional artists, 2D artists, painters, whatever, drawers, drawers. Um, and some of these things that they do to get to get better, to be efficient, to be able to make money and produce enough works. And one of the things that really stuck with me was this guy says, what I learned I needed to do was simply sit down and do it. And that sounds like, duh. Okay. So he said, here's what I did. I made a promise to myself that every day I would sit down at the table with a sheet of paper and I would draw one straight line across the paper. If I did that, the day was a success. Hmm. And what do you think happened after he sat down and he drew one line? He drew more. He drew more. Mm -hmm. He's there. He's got his tools out. He's got his sketchbook out. He starts the creative process and then it just continues mm-hmm. so i haven't started this yet but what i want to do is i want to sit down at my painting table i get out my palette i put paint on my brush that is all i have to do okay if i put paint on the bristles what am i going to do next rinse it off and go play video games <laughs> damn it <laughs> doesn't quite work <laughs> yeah presumably you would paint um yeah, I I like this. Um, I like the idea of trying to paint the tiniest amount at a minimum every single day. I tried that one time. Um, like I went home for holidays during Christmas last year, or maybe maybe it was the year prior. But I brought with me um, stuff to paint with, and I was painting at my uh, parent in laws, my in laws' house, and and at my own parents' house. I was painting a ghast on my guild ball team and the light I brought with was a headlamp and I, you know, I I borrowed newspaper from them and put it on their ping pong table and I was Mm -hmm. painting every single day. It didn't, I I didn't manage to paint every single day for a year straight. It was like, I probably managed like, I don't know, maybe like five months of just doing every single day, at least a tiny bit. Uh, But yeah, that definitely does work for sure. So I guess my challenge then would be to our listeners is to go through this with me. I'm going to start this one <clears throat> today. Today? Today. Would you already do it today? No, I didn't do it today. I had to get up and drive here. 
Oh, okay. You don't get up at 5 <laughs> tonight, a.m. like me? Tonight, I'm going to do it. Because you're not a winner like me? I was up at 6. Like a human. Okay. Join the club. Hey, you um, you were up late last night. You actually responded to me. I was up late Usually, I can't text you after 10 because I feel bad. <laughs> well, it's not going to wake me up, but I just won't respond. <laughs> Strict by time, 10 at 10. But I, yeah. I was, I'm not worried about waking you up. I'm worried about waking Amber up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my phone's on my side of the bed, and she's usually facing her side of the bed, oh. so it's okay. Is that annoying? Bzz, bzz, no, bzz, I have it on bzz. silent, dude. Okay. You're you're a champ. I am a champ. Um, so so do this with me and let me know if you have success with it. Every day, sit down. I mean, I, I, ideally at the table there is some mini to paint. Right. Should you feel obliged? <laughs> <laughs> you're ready to get the mini out. <laughs> yeah. Like John, this is super easy. I just go over and go <laughs> and then I walk away. <laughs> um, but see what see what happens. I'm curious to see a results because with the greater pool of us in this experiment we can have more understandable data yeah so it's not just me because i really you know really want to make it work so i'll i'll push my agenda on it but is this something that actually could be replicated if we you know boost the signal oh nice little sam lens reference there um so in regards to my dragon um i am working on um building up some some depth in the colors which is really sucks on such a big model yeah it takes a long time it takes a long time and trying to figure out the wings okay. so i had a damn near mental breakdown doing wings in my last resin <laughs> piece and this one doesn't have feathers but there's such huge um like tracks of land <laughs> uh, Python. to it's not as funny when you just say what yeah it's but from. i need to let the people know that i understand <laughs> what you're saying otherwise i'm gonna get pooped on <laughs> <laughs> touche touche um and so i want to have some kind of patterns i already have like this kind of dinosaur scale stripes and pattern on the body and i wanted to figure out how to replicate that but uh, lo and behold i couldn't really find a lot of dinosaurs with wings there are some but they basically just have them all one color from ones i could find so i turned to birds okay Ooh, right because birds have some really interesting patterns on their wings and i think that um the bird I'm going to end up emulating is going to be one that we are familiar with in the uh, Midwest of the United States is the blue jay. Mm-hmm. Um, blue jay have uh, some really interesting coloration patterns on their wings. And I really think it's just enough interest to to make it look more, you know, a, a, a secondary point of focus without being too over the top. Um, and blue jays are in a similar color scheme to what my dragon is so right, i, I could yeah. visualize it better um so yeah so that's kind of what i've been working on cool cool um yeah with wings i imagine a worry that you might have is because they're so large does this dragon have his wings like this or is it kind of more like this they're they're kind of straight up straight up about to scoop down scoop down okay so if you're looking at the model in the front can you see a large amount of the wing um or do you have to kind of angle it to see it you do yeah it's more of an angle i mean you can see some of the angles from a straight on perspective but that's also not the money shot of the dragon anyway okay it's about a 30 30 degree angle off of straight on okay you can see the full side and the anger in his face her face she's she's a sheaf in mine um okay and with that you'll get to see the inside of one wing 
in the outside of the opposite wing at that money angle. So I have to have the inside of that wing look like there. I'm going for more of a bat wing where, um, a flesh wing, um, when the light hits it, they're very much see-through. So to see the the veins and the, the actual oh, blood okay, underneath, okay, okay, yeah. so that's going to look quite contrasted to the blue blue jay wing. Interesting. So that's my that's my goal. Interesting. I, yeah, I was going to say, I imagine the worry with dragon wings is that they're so large um, that they might distract from what you're trying to draw attention to. Which yeah. presumably is the head, but may not be. I have no idea. There's you know, there's no rules here. There's no rules. Yeah. yeah. But about your skeleton boys, how many did you assemble? Mm-hmm. Like ten ten basic dudes? Uh, thirty. Thirty basic dudes? Thirty basic dudes and that's I got pretty a, good. I got another forty to do. Um that seems pretty fast. Uh do, are they easy to put together? They're way easier than traditional skeletons. So it's not like one leg, one leg, torso, mm-hmm. head, arm, arm. Yeah, traditional Age of Sigmar skeletons are, their legs are one piece, their torso is one piece, each separate arm is a piece, yeah. the head is a piece, the shield is a piece. Yeah. The, the, the good thing is the arm, the arm with the weapon is attached to the weapon. So that's the only thing. That's <laughs> and then tiny, tiny little connection dots where you have to get the you know, the plastic cement yeah. in there and you can't super glue them because they're so fiddly. If you super glue them at some point, you're going to pick them up and just snap them. Oh, yeah. Right off. Not enough surface area. Yeah. So you have to hold his little freaking arm ball socket into the shoulder <laughs> for like 40 seconds for every single thing. <laughs> and that takes forever. So these guys, their whole legs and torso um, is two separate pieces that kind of do their their cool little kind of snap they're not a snap fit because that's a very important point they are not snap fit but they fit together really nicely okay and then you just have head arm and actually the the shield arm is also attached to that body so you only have to put the shield on so it's like three less pieces but it's it seems a lot quicker okay that seems like a lot 30 is a lot yeah it's a lot to put together it's that kind of stuff is kind of cathartic Yes, for me. I 100% agree. Especially when I am not cleaning these to my highest level. No? no. Scraping it with exacto calling it good? Yeah, I'm, they, I mean, they're really, really good sculpts in terms of the actual, the mold lines are, are almost non-existent. And they actually, GW did this right um, for, for once where there's not hardly any mold lines that run across big smooth surfaces yeah um oh, and man. shoulder pads and space marines yeah heads of most of your minis yeah there's, they're not even they don't have those across the heads they did the mold injection right on these heads where there's none nice so you're just scraping off where it's connected to the sprue that's all i've done yeah i probably could go in there and probably spend another two minutes per model and scrape every little thing but i'm just like Psh, it's a whole hour no way all right Oh, cool. That's what we painted. You guys can let us know what you painted in the Trapped Under Plastic Facebook group, which uh, will be linked in the show notes or the description if you're watching on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but uh, that, that gets us on to our next uh, segment of the podcast, which is discussing our main topic for today, which is really just all about conversions. Um, our thoughts about them, some conversions we've done, um, and other things, as the chalkboard says convert me like one of your french minis and then i also put in a little je t'aime. what does that mean <laughs> give him crap for not knowing what that means it's french for i love you oh 
They're not going to give me crap for that. <laughs> no, they won't. The two French people. Will. <laughs> oh, true. Today's topic was submitted by one of our patrons. Um, it was a little while ago before we were collecting patrons' names so we could give them credit. So we're sorry. <laughs> Thank you, sir or ma'am, uh, for your contribution. Uh, we've also had a good amount of YouTube comments in our comment sections talking about uh, conversions. So I was like, hey, let's let's pick this one. So, yeah, yeah. One of the values of being a patron of the podcast is you get to submit minis for critique but also you get to submit topics for discussion we have a little spreadsheet that we always look at whenever we're picking a topic for a podcast um but yeah so conversions um i have a a long and drawn out thought about this oh so i can start or you can start whatever you want yeah you you get you get drawn out you get let me have it so i have a problem with miniature painting when it comes to youtube entertainment most videos Myself, my own included, I would probably not watch. Um, and I have been trying to figure this out for the longest time. Like, why is miniature painting just not entertaining? Mm. I love so many creative things on YouTube. Uh, metal workers, carpentry, leather workers, cooking. Like, I love to watch the creation of things in general. And I was like, okay, maybe it's because with miniature painting... You're not creating anything. You're just modifying a pre-existing design. As some people might less endearingly putting, put it, uh, like a 3D coloring book. And I've said that in the past. And so, so it's like... so. Sorry to interrupt. That's okay. So you're saying is from second one on the video and they show you the mini, you, yeah, you don't see it with the color on it, but you know what it's going to look like. I yeah. Mean, if it's a it's a barbarian dude with the sword you're like at the end you're like yeah that's well painted but that's still a barbarian dude with a sword there is no aha moment or or starting to see the unraveling of what it might be from this lump of you know iron to becoming you know cloud strife's sword whatever yeah maybe that's the problem is that there isn't a whole lot of mystery because what i i can watch youtube videos with the intentionality of learning uh, forfeiting, the, you know, the entertainment. Like sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll, I'll do that, um, or I'll just watch other YouTubers to see what's going on in their channel, to see what they're doing, get mm-hmm. inspiration from what they're doing. Um, but it's never, it's never as easy as just sitting down and watching a video from. I like to make stuff um, from Bob Claggett. Um, I there isn't any effort. I can just watch it, the whole thing, all ten to fifteen minutes, and it's always just great to watch. And I haven't found that for miniature painting until I found people who did terrain. So there's paper cuts, there's black magic craft, there's miscast terrain, or it's just miscast right now. There's Luke APS. There's all these people, real terrain hobbies. Luke Towen. Luke Towen is the hugest one that just do terrain almost exclusively. Obviously they mix in other things as well. But that is fun to watch. That takes zero effort to want to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, this kind of drove home the idea that, okay, um, the reason why I don't like watching miniature painting is because you're just not making something. Hmm. And so this is, this is where we circle back to conversions. Conversions have an element of creation in them. Um, my buddy... Uh, Trent from Miscast Terrain, he knows I have this problem with with videos. And I made a video about Thor 
um, painting Thor. And the video did, did, did abysmal. I'm, I'm not sure why, but he told me that I had figured out the formula in that video. And I think the reason why is because probably half or 40% of it includes a conversion. It includes Scratch building his axe, which I can't remember the name of right now. Mjolnir? That's his hammer. His axe is called Stormbreaker. Oh, okay. Um, and it, it includes doing a head swap and sculpting in a beard and hair. And then it includes painting. So it's like there's a mixture here of the creation and also the painting. And he said, I, I figured it out then. So I think I'm not good at conversions, but they hold a special place in my heart as potential for making miniature painting videos interesting for me to watch because there's mm. some element of creation. Do you think that um, it spoils it if in the thumbnail they actually show you the painted version of the final uh, converted mini? No, because I want I want to know how how they got there. I mean, sure. everything I've every like carpentry video I watch has the thumbnail of the finished thing, and that doesn't spoil it. because oh. I, I mean, like I'm not a good carpenter by any stretch of the imagination, so I don't know how they got to that point. And similar for conversions, I'm not good at it. So if I saw it, I'd be like. Yes, I want to watch that. Okay. And also, okay, podcasts are weird because when you listen back to them, you, you, you say things and you're like, wow, I sound like a douchebag. Okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that I am the end all be all miniature painter. And when I see a thumbnail of a really good painted model, I'm like, I know how to do that. <laughs> you know, next, like, that's not what I'm saying. There are certainly people on YouTube um, that paint better than me um, and that I could definitely learn from. Uh, it's just a, uh, it's just a weird thing that I have a hard time engaging with and, and watching without the intentionality that I'm going to learn and not just have a good time. So if you, if you struggle with wanting to watch someone's process of painting, is that, how is that different from going to somebody's class, like going to a miniature painting class? Mm -hmm. Do you, do you view those in the same light? I know you've gone to a fair number. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, no, I think the um, the expectation is different for a class than it is for a video. For a video, I just want to be entertained and mildly educated for 10 minutes. Okay. Um, for a class, the express purpose is learning. So it's like I come in with a right. different uh, frame of mind. Okay. Interesting yeah. comparison. I, I never thought to compare the two. Yeah. I, I, um, I view them similarly. Um, just because in, in my mindset, that's what I want. Like if you can, if you can teach me something through a video that I can take away to me, that's the same value as going to a class and probably learning one or two takeaways in that two hour, three hour class. Yep. Um, and so that's good. If you can keep me engaged and sometimes entertained and attached to the personality, then I'm going to watch all your videos. Even if the topic wasn't of something that I really wanted to learn more about, or I think I, I got the hang of that, okay. that aspect. But um, I view them similarly. And in fact, in a lot of ways, I, I appreciate a YouTube video that teaches me something more than an actual physical class, because I know I can go back to that video and see the up close and watch it four times yeah, yeah. and and have some kind of takeaway now if people that taught painting classes would have some takeaway for me to come back home with 
that would be a high value experience for me because I feel like I had got more value out of that class because I can go back to my reference sheet and have that same experience as I did to watch the video a couple more times. So I get that. But this is this is an interesting side note. We started with conversions but didn't really get too far into conversions. No, no, but yeah. The, I explained what about conversions appealed to me. The fact that you are taking something and you're creating something new. And to me, painting is not creating something new. It's just, I want to say modifying or your interpretation of it. It's not, you're not changing the core thing. Um, it's an artistic expression of that form. Yeah. At the same time, I would watch someone paint a 2d canvas like there is a there's an artist on youtube i forget his name it's like jaxa or jazza um who does does all kinds of illustration and painting and, and other things and i watch that because he starts with a blank sheet of paper and ends with something that's beautiful yeah and that that is such a mysterious process that it's you know it can be entertaining um i think and there's a bunch of those amazing uh, content creators on Twitch that do that, that are great artists. And then in their two hour Twitch stream, they knocked out at least one, sometimes two or three amazing works of art that start with the blank canvas mm. or ZBrush work or whatever. Yeah. And by the end, you're just like, whoa, like you watch every stroke. And so it's so much more fulfilling to me than a three or four hour mini painting Twitch session. Right. That yeah, there's that doesn't too. look like a whole lot gets done, which is one of the reasons why I think Sam Lenz is so amazing on Twitch is because he can work so fast to such a high standard yes. that you can see in him not only keeping you know keeping me entertained for two or three hours with his discussion, but the how far he gets yes. in, in in a short period of time is to me very similar to those painters. Yeah, that makes sense. That's hard to do. There's yeah. not a lot of people in this world that can do that. No, yeah. Maybe we just don't have a lot of very experienced miniature painters yet because it is such a a, a new thing and it's, it's reaches uh, not, you know, it's just starting to really kind of unfold. Yeah. It's that 10,000 hour mark kind of thing. That, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, Sam's put in his 10,000 mm -hmm. and there's others that have that just aren't in the social media realm. Yeah. Like if Roman Lapat had stuff out there, that videos that showed like how he does stuff. I mean, that would probably be amazing as well. Yeah, that would definitely be amazing. Uh, but um, that was, those are my opening thoughts about conversion. Let's hear some of your opening thoughts. Okay, my opening thoughts. Um, when I first think of conversions, um, I think of there's two buckets. And there's probably more, but to me, there's two main buckets. Bucket A is I play a game. I want my, my army to feel unique or to be more personable to me, mm -hmm. something that makes it special. And so I convert some or all or whatever portion of the stuff from my army so it stands out. Mm -hmm. I mean, no matter what game we play, um, there's going to be other people that play the same army as, as us. And yeah. we, we want, everybody wants to feel unique and to mm -hmm. feel like their stuff is is different than anything else. And so converting seems to be the main way to do that, other than custom color scheme. Those seems to be kind of like the two things. Okay. Right? So if I play Space Marines along with 90,000 other people in the world, 
how do I make my army of ultramarines look different? Well, ultramarines have to be painted that certain color blue. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they don't for the game, but, you know, the lore hounds will <laughs> string you up by your toes. <laughs> Um, you can do successor chapters like Silver Skulls. That's a successor chapter. There. Sure. But Ultra then there's, you know, there's 70 other people that also play Silver Skulls. So. Yeah. So if if I have some limitation to color, not, not necessarily. It's kind of self-imposed limitation. But what I don't have limitations to is how I can convert my miniatures to be unique to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think that's bucket number one. To me, bucket number two goes into try hard mode typically in associated with competition mm-hmm. but people will also do it when they're just trying their best not necessarily to make a competition piece but what i would maybe classify as a display piece sure. to them um and so they want their piece to really look different than everybody else's uh, space marine lieutenant right, right. Yeah. so i'm going to change out heads i'm going to switch up his pose i'm going to put a different gun on him i'm going to have him you know you know, mid shot blowing up an orc or whatever. And here's where the conversions start to happen. And so there's some, I don't know if it's conscious or subconscious connection to the quality of my overall piece to how much extra work I did underneath the layers of paint. Mm. So we think that, well, you know, if I just painted a space Marine out of the box, but painted it amazingly, is that work of art? less likely to win or or less has less value than one that was painted to an equal standard but i switched up stuff myself that's an interesting question i mean to the individual any any anything that makes you spend more time doing it increases the the perceived value in your head for it yes The, the biggest example for me is the witch that model they can probably say this at this point was not painted extremely well um, but I spent so much time converting. I, I redid the hair like three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like the whole pose has changed and, 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 and the dress was cut and reshaped and resculpted. And for me that, 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 that kind of really skewed how much I valued that model, which actually is, is in the source. I have a little, a little glass, half of a shelf. Uh, if you want to check that model out. One of my patrons saw it and they and they messaged it to me and they're like, I had no idea it was this small. But yeah, the the it's a tiny model. It's a true scale, thirty two mil. Um, that made me feel good a little bit. <laughs> like I didn't realize it was this small. You're awesome. I was like, oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so individually, the more time I spend, the more I see value. But yeah, like if you're a judge, I think you'd need to disclose the fact that conversions are a metric that we. Uh, judge or it's a extra credit thing that you can do to get more points or something like that because i mean maybe subconsciously it's 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 impossible to avoid that whole idea that i've never seen this before it's cool yes. um that is that is proven to win you I know mean, whether or not they're disc- and like crystal brush had that in their rules you're allowed to convert but it has no influence on the final scoring <laughs> <laughs> right yeah and uh golden demon is the same way they have the same verbiage I say sure. Okay, guys. Yeah, I believe you. You know, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go out and say it. I'm gonna be. I think it gives. I think it's more valuable because it, it displays a wider range of skills. Sure. Like if they're painted equally, but one's converted, the one that's converted is, is artistically better. It wins the Olympic gold medal mm-hmm. because, yeah, it's just you have a, a larger talent set and you're showing it and using it. Mm-hmm. 
You can flame me for that. I don't care. I think it's, I think, <laughs> how do you argue with that? that? That seems right, right? Right. I think here's the, I mean, the flip side of that coin is, is if, if you're saying that, then you also need to take into account the sculpt itself. So the quality of the conversion, does it still feel anatomically correct? Yeah. Does it feel like it belongs with the original stuff? Yes. Yeah. Because a lot of models these days, specifically Games Workshop, but a lot of other kind of higher grade models these days are just have so much um, movement to them that feels like a real person's or monster's movement. It has weight. It has motion. It's really, it's not static models anymore. It's mm -hmm. not the monopose He-Man, you know, 2D version um, of a model. And so if you have to account for that, you're judging some aspect that isn't in the judging criteria because you can't judge it from a static model that I bought off the shelf. But then do I give them negative points because they did a bad conversion, but the painting was still good? Yeah. Like, that, how do you... That comes down to the metric. That, right? That comes down to the metric. If, if you're going to be honest with yourself as a judge of a competition, you have to say, okay, conversions are a part of my metric. And here's one one category one category is does it meld well with the original sculpt and you can get docked points if it doesn't like can i see fingerprints or or whatever else other categories there may be i think yeah you just need to have an upfront uh rubric to to judge with and yes i can dock you points right i mean that's the tough part when they when they put in the rules that you're allowed to convert but it doesn't give you any extra points there's no judging criteria for it basically mm -hmm. yeah. so it's if like there's no man's land yeah so if we can't give you plus points for it that means that it, technically we can't give you minus points either. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know if it's obviously uh not a really good conversion job they're they're gonna find something else that was affected by the bad conversion that made it less overall they'll find somewhere else to give you those negatives is what i'm saying so yeah i think that's, yeah that's what i so those are my kind of my two areas that i feel like from a base level we're talking about my conversions happen okay um i think there's an interesting history to conversions as well because when back in the day when you had so few options um for one unit choices or models in general mm -hmm. y you couldn't get exactly what you wanted because there were so few options. And then if I did get a box of goblins, there was 40 of them and they only had one pose. So how do I make stuff look more unique? How do I kind of put my spin on it? So there, there's one history to it. And I think basically because that became a part of this hobby, converting became entrenched in the hobby. And then the transition over to plastics from white metal. Right, and then now we have all these insanely dynamic poses, and that's an interesting thought. It's like, was converting easier a, a while back when you had all these kind of vanilla pieces that kind of fit together, and basically you got to choose what you wanted to look like. It wasn't imposed on you, where like the leg was at some crazy angle, yeah. or like the arm was like yeah holding a specific thing or, or whatever it may be um would you would you go out and say that would you say that converting was easier like 10 years ago i think it was it was easier to see a good conversion job because everything was so static 
And if I have my one goblin with actually different, a huge spear and his arms are now up in the air and he's running or he's standing on top of a squig when Mm -hmm. there wasn't one for that model, it stands apart. Like my eye originally feels like, oh, that's totally different because I'm so used to seeing sameness. But now there's there's so much variation of stuff in models, even within their own units in the range that like conversions oftentimes if they're not some major over the top thing i can't when when paint's on it I, I can hardly tell right yeah so you're saying that maybe conversions had more value because they were so significantly different looking mm-hmm. those are some of our opening thoughts about uh conversions now i want to talk about two more things one conversions we've done and also people that do conversions that are awesome mm. um let's start with uh, the latter of the two. Um, I have two people that I may have mentioned in a video in the past that do conversions that are just awesome. Um, the first one is Maxime Pasturel, mm. French man. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he's he's going to be mad at me. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Maxime is a, a GW employee. He's a sculptor oh. for them. And you mentioned earlier about how conversions are hard to do because or i mean and i agree with this as well because so much of the kits are so uh model specific mm-hmm. and this guy does not care he crushes it and he makes these super awesome conversions with things that you would just think aren't related um he has a blog that i'm not gonna try to pronounce um that i've that i'll link in the show notes so you can look through some of his uh conversions the one that's my favorite is he took the uh, Cauldron of Blood uh, cane. Yeah, the big cane. The bloodied handed god. Avatar. Avatar he, of Cain. He took that and he gave it he gave it a hood. He gave it a giant does it have a sword? I think it has a sword in one. Like hand. It has a sword and a heart in the other hand, right? Yeah. He gave it a cloak and the cloak uh the cloak was, uh, it ended in Nagash's cloak. So like those ghosts that were flying out. Oh, and baby. It looks so freaking cool. Um, and he has other like, just like, like war bands and squads that he's done that are just so, so awesome. Um, so Maxime, I, I think part of the reason why he may be so good at it is because he has like this cataloged knowledge of all of GW's bits because he's so close to it all oh, the time. Gosh. I'm just guessing. He's also probably just talented, you know. Do you think they have got like a bits room? Where they have like all these little yeah. bins, like it's like all the different color Legos, the different shapes and sizes and colors, except mm. it's all bits? I don't think so. Because like you can't sell conversion. <laughs> oh. You know what I'm saying? True. I think he just probably maybe gets some for free because he's like oh. in the studio and like brings them home, which would really uh, alleviate the biggest issue I have with converting, which is like sacrificing kits of models to conversions. Yeah. So it's like, I don't want to have a squad of 19 guys. Cause I decided to, to steal the torso from the 20th guy for a conversion, you know? Um, maybe, maybe that's it. Um, but I love him. The other guy is uh Colonel on Instagram who often does very, um, grim dark stuff and actually i got him to send me a model that he did and i'm going to paint it in a future video and i'm super excited about it but he also has this a really good way of just converting stuff to make it look like it belongs together but also to make it look like it belongs in the same uh sci-fi universe as 40k yeah. maybe just like a darker mm. evil version of it um so yeah those those are my two favorite i'll link both below but how about you mm. favorites um 
So I have one, and I don't know. I, I follow him on Instagram. I actually went through and like looked at my Instagram, thinking about this topic on like, do I have good examples? And I I really don't follow a lot of people that are kind of known as converters, mm-hmm. except for one, and his name is Orky Dork. <laughs> <laughs> what a name! Yeah, and that alone is probably why I I hit follow on him. But um, he is a prime example. And this, this is, I think, an important part we haven't touched on yet. He is a prime example whose artistic outlet in the hobby is strictly converting. He has very few pictures on his Instagram of stuff where you don't see bare green stuff. Mm. And that's a big thing because okay. you get to see the original parts. You get to see all the extra things he sculpted himself. You can see all the other kits that have found their way on there. Yeah, And that in and of itself of an unpainted kit bashed model in a lot of ways is its own work of art because you're seeing the raw version and how you've adapted it yeah he does as his name implies much orc work (laughs) (laughs) much orc work (laughs) right job's done (laughs) um and he loves all the 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 scrap the scavenge the post-apocalyptic you know grab everything that's half rusted and throw it on a buggy kind of style yeah his orc style really feels like 40k orcs i mean he really goes with their story and everything that he does really fits the lore and the understanding of who these these orcs are yeah um i think it's you know there are folks that uh, that's why we want to kind of throw a bubble around this and call uh, you know hobby enthusiasts not mini painting enthusiasts because this is very much hobby yeah and it is art and it's not mini painting yeah um and i mean a lot of these incredible um converters aren't necessarily incredible painters yeah but sometimes they're good paint job looks awesome because it's so you new it's mm-hmm. unique it goes back to our con- talk about um competitions it's that wow factor it's that new factor it's that i don't know what is that i've never, I've seen, never that. seen that yeah for the same reason that these famous sculptors unveil their wonderful new sculpts pro painted by somebody else at a competition <laughs> so it's the wow new factor <laughs> yeah um what what you just said made me think of another person that I need to show you later. Maybe you might already know. Goes by the name of Modern Synthesis. Have you heard of this? No. Is he a DJ? No. That would be- <laughs> Maybe in his spare time. Um, he does Tyranids and Dark Yaldar, and I want to show you his. He has he uh, does tons of Coven Dark Yaldar conversions, and the Coven are like the you know the flesh golem the flesh crafting side of dark eldar grotesques right grotesques and you have the doctor dudes homunculi and you have uh what are some other ones? you don't have to name them all dude we get it you know dark eldar do i ghasts is that one no um but yeah racks so, racks yes those are the basic ones um so he has so many lovely conversions and yeah you can just see the bare plastic and all the different kits that were used and it's so satisfying to see how smoothly the green stuff flows into the plastic um and like everything looks so intentional and awesome um and he has lots of awesome guides about sculpting and and how to uh like get great effects but you know where does it uh where do you draw the line between sculpting and converting it's like 
they are very much so intertwined. Mm-hmm. But at what point does it just become an original work of art? I guess if you're if you're ever using, you know, like okay, here's an example: someone does a fully sculpted model, but like for the rings on, I don't know, some accessory, they use metal rings. That's still a scratch build, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, but where does it become a conversion? I think it's using existing model kit pieces. Okay. Um, put into your piece in a way that works instead of sculpting them yourself. Okay, so and then I have another question for you. Follow up. Um, are you familiar with garage kits? Do you know this term? Garage. Is it like a model thing where you like scale modelers it's a scale model thing yeah it's like a mech thing i I hadn't known about this for a a while but um there are people that will convert scratch built grab random stuff from their house like old apple mice and (laughs) and put it together and then cast and sell it as a garage kit now the, the main critique of garage kits is that they are often complicated and maybe the directions aren't the greatest because it's made by a just a dude an individual not a company and he's taking other parts from other kits and other things in his house like electronics and whatever else and making a full thing um and this is kind of an interesting thing in regards to conversion because like you know when it sells their conversions right mm. but in, in this world they do um wait, i'm not sure wait, where i'm going with this i'm confused okay so i got the idea that the dude has all these other things, puts together a new thing, and yes. then he sells that individual thing. No, You're no, no. saying he makes a new kit out of the all the crap he used to build this thing, and yeah. then sells that. Sells it, yeah. Resident copies of it. He casts weird. it and sells it. That's weird. So then they get to go through the process of using the, the Apple 2GS mice and the whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Old floppy disks. Yeah. And- like, actually, Todd Thyberg, the letterpress printer that I know, he has, I think, a, I think something he made scratch build where he used like a mouse or something like that in it. And I found someone on uh, on YouTube once upon a time who was like making his own spaceship and he was just scratch building it with a bunch of like random stuff. And in the end, after it's painted, it looks looks freaking awesome. Um, but I don't know how this or what I wanted to say, but I just wanted to mention it. Yeah. I, and I saw that. Oh, gosh. What's that? What's that? The one day builds uh, videos. Yep. Yep. Adam Savage. Yeah. Um, he often in his one day builds, he's got big tubs of model kits. Yeah. Yes. And he grabs stuff off of those. And he's like, this is used. This is how movie props are made all the time. Yeah. I just have a bunch of these little greeblies or greebles or whatever they're right. called. And what a great word. I know. That's great. I want to use greebles more in my everyday life. <laughs> like uh, just a thing that you don't exactly know what you're describing. Just yeah. call it a greeble. Yeah. Yeah. And people will look at you funny. Um, yeah. I think i i think the conversion side really on the sliding scale of sculpting my own thing and then something out of a box somewhere in the middle there is is i guess the the meat and potatoes of the (laughs) damn you i'm yes (laughs) found a way to pull it in uh of conversions and that is it's majority other parts majority majority other parts uh, of existing kits and then it's green stuffing to make their make their joints fit to bandage it together yeah to kind of m- make it all wrapped in a bow it's where it looks like it's 
this was actually was a real kit. So the Troll Slayer Sword winner of 2019 where the base was made and his like whole lower half, like belly was like sculpted up into the actual kit, Trogoth, whatever it's called. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. The one where the, he had the cool sculpted base. Is that a conversion? No, that's just sculpting the base. Well, the model itself had uh, modifications into it as well. I wouldn't have even known that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, it looks like the box to me. I'm not sure if there's any value in discussing this, but it is an interesting <clears throat> like thing to think about. Like, Where do you draw the line between scratch build and unique art versus this is just a conversion? Because it seems like kind of like conversion could be a cute word for someone who like really put a lot of effort into making something really unique. Sure. Maybe people who are actually good at it might be offended if like someone called it a conversion versus something else. I don't know. I wouldn't be cause I'm garbage at it. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all semantics really, isn't right. it? Like if in that case, if he did add some kind of putty to add some more depth dimension change of the, of the thing, I mean, I don't know what I'd call it if not a conversion, but he's not actually using, it wasn't like he brought in like a, you know, a little Nurgle head and like stuck it up his butt. So the Nurgle head was coming out. Like okay. that would be a conversion. <laughs> okay. And I would have given him 10 out of 10. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about conversions we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, you kick us off. Well, since we did talk about, you did talk about Dark Eldar. Um, yes. I, this was probably two years ago, uh, not long after I had, well, this is right when I was going to go to the first resin beat, not resin beat, uh, crystal brush. I had bought two kits. I remember this. Um, to make my own grotesque. I actually made a unit of three of them. From the Dark Eldar, what's the big floaty thing? A raider? Uh, no, no, it's got the big head. Oh, uh, a Kronos Parasite engine or a Talos paint engine? Yes, yes. I bought one of those kits, and then I brought a, I bought a kit of Crypt Flayers uh, from Games Workshop Flesh Eater Quartz mm-hmm. and made my own. And I will, there'll be a picture or right now. Um, there will <laughs> Um, thanks for queuing my edit <laughs> right no problem and uh we'll, we'll put some links or whatever i could probably throw that up on instagram too um but i really like how one of them turned out he looks really cool like, like ripped off his his from his forearms on and then jammed those big nasty needle hook things and scythes on on his arms put a you know big honking mask on him um that was fun um I've done some lesser ones with, um, like the necromancer I did. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a slight one, just a head swap kind of a thing. Yeah, and, putting a skull on the high elf sorcerer. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, actually, the technically my um, second place piece for crystal brush was a full conversion. You wouldn't notice by looking at it because it just looks like a, a plague marine that you'd get out of the box. That's actually four different kits of mm. plague marines. Okay. Um, to get the the pose that I wanted, the weapon that I wanted, the head that I wanted, the big flat chest piece, so I could show off some stuff on that. Okay. Um, and then to make the arms and the angle work right, I had to do a good amount of putty work there. And you still messed it. And up. I still messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I screwed that up. Um, it, it just it covers up his face too much. So, yeah. So if it would have been a GW kit, it would have been looked better because they wouldn't have screwed that part up. <laughs> well, you you mentioned something that was interesting 
you picked a certain chest piece to show off a certain skill, right? Yeah. So that this is a cool idea about converting is that if, if the model you have is cool and the subject matter is cool, but it doesn't allow you to show off a certain technique, which you have to consider when you're painting for a competition, converting allows you to, you know, pick a bit and, and do that. Were all of your conversions done because you wanted to demonstrate a certain technique or were they also just done for the cool factor or... No, I think if I'm using them for for a cool idea or for a in my army in a game or whatever, I'm just doing something that I think will look cool and will represent the unit I want. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, it's because I don't like the traditional version of that model. Like, I'm just not a fan of the you know crinkly old man necromancer model. Okay, you know, I just think he looks like right. He looks like freaking Gargamel from Smurfs. So. You do make a lot of references. I'm <laughs> counting. I think you're on three or four. Oh, sorry. That's fine. It's fine. Um, but I, yes, I have made a single one. Oh, well, you better you better start taking yeah. notes and then you can gotta, like awkwardly put them in. I got to keep up. <laughs> I should have a little reference counter <laughs> in the bottom. <laughs> Bing. Um, so, so yeah, I'll do that for the game stuff. If I don't really like what my options are and I want to be excited to paint it. Hey, I, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, there's that. Um, from the competition side... I think you and I are the same, but you you go way further than me. It's like I need to like show some amazing idea, story told, and I need to convert and sculpt it so my story will be told because my story is more important than what the model looks like in the box. Right. Um, I, I'm not so heavy on the like the Plague Marine example is not so much heavy on the story side, but it's like I want a certain feel and look. I want a certain kind of you know, moment to be captured there. And I can't just work the other way. I can't work with the model and then feel the story out from the model. I've got to feel out my story that excites me and then work towards how do I show that? Yes. Yes. Um, so you referenced the, the witch and I think you explained it pretty good. Um, that was the first time I started with a story and then tried to find a model to fit into it mm-hmm. as opposed to, starting with a model and then finding a story that works for the model. And it worked in some senses and it didn't work in other senses. I think the base that I made with the, which was a scratch build with the church and the cross and the fire, I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of fun doing that. And it's so easy to do. It's just a bunch of rectangles. That's all it is, right? Yeah. And some scraping and some, and some paper clip. It's so simple how, like houses and structures are just a bunch of really simple shapes that you can get in styrene and, and brass and aluminum and in wood and whatever else you can find. But it, yeah, it's so easy. It just takes a little bit of time. Um, but then the model itself was uh, every single joint was cut and repositioned. So the wrists, okay. I cut off this, this lady had daggers. And so I, I wanted it. I was like, how do I work with these clenched fists? I can't, I can't uh, sculpt a new hand. So I was like, okay, if you're burning a lot, you're probably clenching your fists, right? Yeah. So I, I took a little drill and I scooped out the area in between her fingers and her thumb and under here to make it look like she wasn't just, you know, like, you know, I cut the thing off. So it was just flat. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I, I scooped that out. I cut her hand off and I was so terrified of losing a 32 millimeter true scale fist. It is the tiniest thing in the world. I had a little container for it and I like, I closed the container and I t- 
tape it to my desk. I was like, I'm not losing that. <laughs> and then I cut her at the elbows. I cut her at the shoulders. Um, and then I just positioned the head differently when I, uh, when I glued it on, but the arms were like, kind of like these, this really just whack like pose. And so I had to like sculpt, like, you know, kind of like the, the armpit, like the skin area that like, you know, gets stretched when your arms are stretched out. Um, and then the hair, God damn the hair. Oh, um, Ugh. someone said in the comment section, I had mentioned this in the video. It's like, you should make your hair floating. Cause hair floats. Cause you know, oh, fire sure. combusts and then air raises and, and I was like, you're an, I hate you. Yeah, because it, it has a backdraft, Kurt Russell. Backdraft, Kurt Russell. That, I didn't get that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Backdraft is a movie. Okay. Okay. Featuring Kurt Russell. Five references. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I couldn't figure out how to do that for the longest time. And I figured out the best way that I could, but it involved sculpting hair, which is maybe not the easiest thing to do with the miniature uh, because every manager's hair is like way too thick, right? Because to scale down hair yeah. in miniature form is is, is literally impossible. Um, so you have to kind of take some concessions. But yeah, a, a large portion of that miniature was lots of slicing and and repositioning and sculpting to hide uh, those 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 cuts. Um, that's probably the biggest one, the biggest conversion I've ever done. Now is because of the approach that I took to the project. And after having done it, I'm going to say that I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to do it again <laughs> until I'm significantly better at it. Do you remember when it was like two weeks till Adepticon and you lost the piece and you texted me and you're like, I can't remember what piece it was. You're like, I, I lost it. It's on my floor. I can't find it. And you were freaking out. I think it was a hand or it was something. I think it was the reason why you taped the hand in the box because you had lost something. Maybe. And you were in crunch time. You didn't have paint on the model yet. And we were like two weeks to go. And, uh, oh man, you were so nervous. And then like 45 minutes later, you, you found it. it. Okay. That's good. You found it. I kind of remember that, but not a whole lot, but that's kind it was of all a blur. Yeah. And then the other one I referenced, um, well, I've done, I mean, I've done a few small conversions. I did, I did a, uh, for my best man, I made, I got him a wedding gift of a death company dreadnought. And he is killing, th- he's in the process of killing three cultists. He's stomped on one and mm-hmm. like his legs are doing the whole like raised up because he just got stomped on. Um, he ha- he has like the claws and he, oh, there's only two cultists. He ripped one in half. So that one he has in this hand and like his claws pierced through his chest and like his entrails are hanging down and like the other half of that man's body is in his other claw. Like he just like ripped it apart. Um so I've done small things like that. Um, uh, my Talos paint engine is, I bought a box of five cultists for conversions. Um, my, <laughs> so, this is why I have so many cultists. All the cultists are accounted for. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I have a Talos paint engine that I was like, these guys probably collect like corpses and, and, and husks of humans to bring back to their masters so they can do flesh crafting and crap. So I was like, okay, I want, I want my Talos uh, paint engine to be carrying a, a dead body back so i have a hook coming down and like a meat hooks in this this man's chest and it's dragging him Oof. Uh, along the ground and there's like a trail of blood being Oof. left behind him um, those are all the good juices you can't lose those before you bring them back <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it can't be dead otherwise it's useless right um and then the the thor one uh, yeah, yeah. i replaced mjolnir i drilled a hole in his fist put paper clip in there and then sculpted a branch structure around the paper clip. 
But the the thing that was probably the happiest with was the head of the weapon. And this is a lot easier to do than people probably think. So if you get milliput and you roll it out into a sheet and you let it dry, and then you could even go so far as to bake it a little bit to make it even more brittle. You get some pencil and you can draw out the outline of whatever it is you're making. In this case, it was a it was a mace hammer. It had both elements. But is there a hyphen in that phrase? I don't know. Mace it? hammer. <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird weapon. But you can draw it out, and then you can take uh, a rotary tool, and you can start to carve out the the uh, perimeter of the object. And then once the perimeter is there, you can refine it with files and and maybe some scraping with exacto knives. But it is super easy, I think, to make a weapon head uh, because the shape is so angular and so straight and so like defined, you can just plot it out, carve it out, and then boom, you have a fancy axe for whatever it is you're trying to do. It's really easy. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason why prehistoric man like made basic tool first because it's easy. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because you just carve it out. and He didn't like, let's make AK-47. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with milliputting that. <laughs> All right, next project. <laughs> I, I think uh, to like rewind about eight minutes ago when you were talking about um, your witch piece, um, I think you and I have talked about this before, and if not, we did in my head, um, <laughs> about the middle ground between first we need to you need to find a story something that like that's going to excite us to do the piece right we really think oh i can just envision this and then before we get too far we have to find the right subject matter even if it requires conversion and it probably requires some some that at least will aid in the story and not be burdensome to accomplish this task because i feel like there's a middle ground there and the witch model i mean we looked you looked at everything i was looking at trying to find something that would work for that witch that crucified burning witch oh yeah that that had the crazy face and yeah yeah. there was a lot of boxes that needed to be checked for that to be pulled off and you didn't have a model that helped you succeed Right. That's what the judges said too. Yeah. Like you, when you need to pick a model that can demonstrate mm-hmm. your ability as a as a painter, and that one was not it. Uh, the face was, uh, I think this was Jose Palomares said the face was too small, and I didn't put enough effort into it. Um, <laughs> Rip. <laughs> yeah. He was like, he's like, that's the most important thing. You need to put way more effort into it. And I was like, all right, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he said he said the he said the model wasn't doing you any favors. Yep. Um, so I think there's something there that, okay, you could have a great idea and you got to find the right muse. Sure. Yeah. You know, that will, will help it succeed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the better you are at converting, the less that muse needs to be (laughs) right on track. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Very true. Well, I think we hit this conversion talk. Well, you just piece that word together like a bad con conversion. Version. <laughs> yeah, it's an ex-conversion. Are we doing some news now? Yes, let's do news. All right. We don't have a news jingle still. Still don't have a news jingle. Either. We're going to pull our phones out here because we have a little <clears throat> document with the news articles on them. We're not checking the latest, hottest thing from Rodrigo Acore. I promise. Oh, man. 
That guy is a freaking painter and a half, ain't he? That that burnt umber undercoat and just <laughs> building up those layers. Ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> All right. What's on the docket for today? Okay. First and foremost, the most important news piece is free tendies. All right. Yeah. Okay. Everchosen announced the the winner of the competition like two days after we posted that podcast. Yeah. Um, and I was wrong and John was right. <laughs> <laughs> and if you remember, there was tendies on the line. So, so immediately following the taping of this episode, tendies will be consumed. <laughs> Paid and, for. And never any tendies will have tasted as good as those. <laughs> the one via being right yeah. i will if i dropped it in a puddle i'd still eat it because it would be i'm gonna swap it out of your hand <laughs> just slap it. victory you said tendies. you're gonna eat it uh so yeah um, i can't remember that guy's name but uh, so the guy that did the arch regent le duke le, le duke or, or was that uh French for the duke i don't know who his, what his name was but yes um and then your choice trevarian came in third um, which honestly, the only reason I didn't pick Trevarian because I knew you were going to, because I think we both thought his was the best. Did they have the miles in person? Did they have? Yes. Him oh, okay. he sent me pictures. Trevarian sent me pictures. Oh, he was there. Yeah. Yes. It was the whole thing. So they cool. flew them all out cool. to this open day. I think it was called. It was not like a golden demon thing, Okay. but they had all their stuff going on. Uh, Darren was there too. Good friend. Our good friend, Darren. Good friend, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bilbo. Um, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Let me just say this real quick. Uh, Martin Freeman. <laughs> um, and so I was talking to Christoph Treverian, um, like right after it was announced and it was messaging him and he was sending me pictures and like, he's like, want to send me the up close, like right before they were announced and stuff. He's like, Oh, what is about this? What about this? What do you think? And I was like, yours is better. Yours is better. Yours is better. <laughs> um, which I really honestly did think that I thought, I really told him, like, I really think you got this. I mean, they're all really well done. And he really saw, he's like, in person, they are really, really good. He's like, it's it's going to be a roll of the dice, yeah. you know? And what, what are they looking for? Yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. Things. But, you know, they flew him out there. They paid for a hotel. He got to go to... The bougie treatment. Right? Like, he's living, he was living the Vida Loca. Yeah, so, that's nice. So, good for him. Congratulations. Um, and I told him there's what? There's like 18,000 store winners. Such an accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, obviously, the, the, I mean, probably we could say the largest painting competition ever. I In guess. terms of entrance? Yes. Yeah. Such an accomplishment. Even to, even to get into, like, the final 100 is insane. Let alone right. the final three. Yeah. That's crazy. When they showed the, the wall of finalists to <laughs> cut it down to three, it was like, there's 40 here that are amazing. Yeah. Like, to get top three so and he he really when i talked to him after like that was his total his sentiment was like it was amazing it was an amazing experience i'm totally happy with that awesome. which um trevarian has a wonderful dry sense of humor and snarkiness so i was kind of expecting like him to be like this yeah <laughs> right yeah um but you know because which i would be so <laughs> <laughs> especially if people were telling you that you're gonna win right and then you didn't it's like oh because like that's kind of the worst when people tell you that you're going to win and then you don't. Cause like in your mind, you're like, I'm not going to win. I'm not going to win. I'm not going to win. And then someone comes along. It's like, you got this in the bag. And it's like, Oh, and it's like, right. it kind of, it kind of right. gives you this, this, you know, you know, this yeah. little whispers in your ear, you know, it's, it's dangerous. I, I, re I specifically remember a moment in the, 
my first Adepticon. So when first one I went there with you, and we were up late and we were, you know, partaking in adult beverages <laughs> for a number of hours, <laughs> and we're sitting, we're like we're laying on the hotel bed. <laughs> Like on our bellies, like with their phones out. And no, you had your laptop out. And we were looking through all the pictures of the finalists. And you're like, dude, I think you got this. You're at least going to be in top three. And that, that moment, because I didn't think, I was like, holy crap, I made it to finalists. And you're like, yeah, okay. I was drunk. You were drunk. You know. <laughs> Where's the story going? Like, I'm scared. I remember that moment because <laughs> yeah. you said, I think you got this. And I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think, I think he, I think he got this. Yeah cool um other news gw releases um we didn't talk about drazar the new dark yeldar releases um in the new phoenix lord um we um actually in the after party remember we talked about oh nicholas gareth's yeah his paint job of that guy yes after so. party being just an extended version of the podcast that you get access to by being a patron it's like a 30 more minutes of uh uh, debauchery debauchery nerdy miniature talk but yeah so new drazar model but um and i mean that model hasn't had a new mini in a long time it's old pewter one was total garbage and that new one is pretty awesome but the most recent new release the new chaos undivided undivided slaves to darkness slaves of darkness slaves from darkness <laughs> one of the prepositions there's slaves and then there's darkness <laughs> yeah whatever's in between doesn't matter yeah. um that's relatively recent uh new announcement yeah what do you think about these guys um i dig them like back when i was gonna start age of sigmar they were one of the armies i was looking at mm-hmm. they their models were so old though I still thought, other than Varengard, which are freaking phenomenal. Yeah, they're old, but the Chaos Warriors, they still look pretty good, don't they? Or no? Are they too chunky? Are they too... They're, yeah. They're they're very, like, Lego man yeah, pose. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they have new ones. And it took me a minute to figure out that they weren't the old ones. They have more movement to them, but they still are, like, weird proportions of, like, hands twice the size of their heads <laughs> and like armor meaning that like their calf is like 18 inches <laughs> like so you're thinking their proportions are off they're uh, they're better now and they have more movement in in their in their poses so i like them more than at first glance i did the new they have new riders those guys look pretty dang sweet yeah yeah and then there's the new guy on a lizard i okay I don't really like like weird animal like Alariel riding a beetle. Not a fan of that. Uh, I didn't have deep kin on eels. Not a fan of that. Mm. This lizard thing. I'm down. <laughs> I'm down with it. I kind of like it. He, he is pretty cool. Do you not? I, I, I'm getting the impression that you're not the biggest fan of it. I don't dislike it. Okay. I totally. I you know I like it more than most stuff. Okay. In most armies. Okay. Yeah. I don't like. It's okay. It's not a vampire on the back of like a death dragon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's get real. I'm right. Thinking compared to that. But <laughs> but it's pretty damn cool. Yeah. I like these guys. Yeah. I like them too. Um, so it's, you know, they're going to have this whole probably this lead up to the story of, of you know, Archaeon and what's happened. This is probably the next chapter in the in the story of Age of Sigmar. And, mm-hmm. and I just said Age 2 Sigmar. <laughs> 
Slaves that's, to Darkness got my me all messed up. That's like <laughs> a- AOS version two, mm-hmm. age two Sigma. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the number two. <laughs> two. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there, there's a significance to the release of this uh, of this model of these models. I think um, up until this point, every single mini in Age of Sigmar was like a new race, a new thing. Um, like fire slayers, uh, those crazy steampunk dwarves, um, the 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 dark elf like Canaanite sisters. It was like um, I want to take one of the old things and make something new with it, or expound on this specific detail, like fire slayers being slayers from the dwarf army, and then like make it like more fully enriched. Um, Ideneth Deepkin, totally new thing, but these guys, this is just a re- this is just a remade and polished version of something that previously exists. Mm-hmm. Chaos Riders, Chaos Warriors, and a Chaos Lord and a Mounted whatever, like mm-hmm. that. Those things were all already in the rules for even just even fantasy, and they just got a facelift, and that hasn't happened yet, right? Oh boy, that's a good question. I'm just I'm trying to think to well, like Note Skaven didn't get new stuff. Um, when yeah. the gits turned into the the Gloomspite gits from the goblins, they got new stuff, but it wasn't. I don't think replacing old kits. I think all the new stuff, like the Squig Riders and the new heroes and all that. Um, Colossal Squig that maybe would have been an old model. I, I think remember. maybe it was a Forge World. Kit. Oh yeah, there I, is a. I don't a think mega it was. A, yeah, I think that is one. But again, that's just taking orcs and goblins were a race. Taking the night goblin portion of the goblin portion and then just kind of further, further developing it. But maybe there were some that were that got. I mean, the goblin, the Squig Riders, right? Mm-hmm. Those were a kit before and they got replaced. I don't. But, I don't honestly. I cannot remember if Squig Riders were a thing. Okay, before. but suffice to say, a lot of it was new content. Whereas with this stuff, this is all just old content being rehashed. Other than maybe like the lizard dude, which is fine. Um, and I feel like that's significant because, I mean, I, I'm fully uh, on board with my wood elves never getting a facelift. That's never going to happen. Um, but seeing just an army get a get uh, like pampered like that, you know, is is cool. Like not everything needs to be new and shiny. Some things can just get like look cooler um i think they probably were backed into a corner a little bit from a um story standpoint and the requirement of archaeon being a part of the overarching age of sigmar story okay because he was if you remember i think it was the ever chosen book was the that was a one of the first books in age of sigmar 1.0 so are we talking about end times you're talking about Age of Sigmar. Age of Sigmar. Okay. So it's it's already existed, and he's you know over, you know oversees all the other chaos gods and stuff. So they couldn't just scrap it, right? Um, maybe yeah, maybe there's ha- that. They have some design space to work with, but they also it's a fairly controllable IP. Yeah, and they got cool concepts for their stuff. They just needed some new ca- new coats of paint, and it looks great. Yeah, tying it back to the conversion topic. I'm trying to find a new army to play for Age of Sigmar, which I'm not going to like, it's not going to happen anytime soon. But you mentioned playing Legions of Blood, mm-hmm. which is basically the uh, Blood Knights. Um, but the the chaos, it's a, sorry, the fighty 
vampire. Yeah. And using these new uh, Chaos Knights as conversions for um, the guys. I can't remember the name right now. The Blood Knights. Blood Knights. Blood Knights. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, because those miles are... You can't even get them anymore, right? I I don't think so. They were they were fine cast in a hundred dollars a box for five of them. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. Insane. So yeah, um, you can't get them anymore. And even if you could, you wouldn't buy them. No. <laughs> I mean, the, it they are a notorious uh, conversion unit. Like yeah. everybody converts them. They use like the dragon knights from the high elves, mm-hmm. which now were gotten rid of in the great purging of twenty nineteen. R.I.P. Um. So you couldn't use those anymore. I used the old to make my. Uh, blood knights i use the old chaos knights okay and they're cool they required a good amount of like getting rid of all the I- chaos iconography yeah, yeah, yeah. head swap they're very chunky still <laughs> so trying to like take the helmet off and have like a vampire looking head they just <laughs> look like work. derby as heck. <laughs> um that's fun so yeah there's another conversion i did not too well <laughs> um i think these new guys would be b a as blood knights yeah but the head thing i think is still a problem maybe it it might be yeah um uh more news uh ogre tyrant came out in a, in a feast of bones which is like a a starter set that has the new ocr bone reapers in it and also a new and also uh what are they called something frost maw or ogres or Whatever their new Age of Sigmar term is. Ma Tribe. Ma Tribe. That's what it is, right? And you get one new Tyrant, and this Tyrant is the coolest looking model in the world. I want to paint it so freaking badly. Um, And here's another example of um, Ogre is coming off the other end of the Age of Sigmar funnel, largely unscathed. Mm -hmm. Still very much in the same design aesthetic as uh, the Ogre is from before. It's, you have this Mongol feel. Um, they're big and chunky. They have, they even paint them in the same style. They have the one hand dipped in blood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to see this happening kind of in, in, in another way where it's like, okay, we're not going to Age of Sigmarify this too much. It, it feels like the last 18 to 24 months or so, GW has had a really top priority to update as many battle tomes as possible okay to really bring everybody up to even playing field as best they can so yeah it's um, impossible and, which is impossible but they, they have a fairly valiant effort for what they've done so far and so there's all the variety is relevant mm-hmm. okay you can say that well you know what elves are gone they just pushed everyone in these cities to sigmar whatever but the version of that that came out the other side is now usable in a competitive level and it's it's rules are all falling within the age of sigmar 2 rules so it just feels like a tighter overall game still burns still burns <laughs> still burns single tier <laughs> single tier for the what else uh, um couple other models that they showed off recently are these new war cry uh, yeah. like beasts yeah, like this cat thing and this... Uh, weird cat thing is weird, man. Yeah. This this don't really interest me very much. Oh, the the Cyclops. I have, I have Every time I say the word Cyclops, I go back to when I was like 14 years old and me and my buddies would all play Marvel vs. Capcom 2 on the Dreamcast. This okay. is, someone, it's a fighting game. Someone else. It's yeah. a fighting game. It's an amazing fighting game. And so we're 14 years old, eating Cheetos, watching... <laughs> Yeah, playing the game, drinking Mountain Dews, and <laughs> at one point I accidentally, and I was trying to say Cyclops, I said Cocklips. <laughs> what? 
And now every time, every time I say Cyclops, I'm worried I'm accidentally going to say Cocklips. And my my friends have never let me live it down. Yeah, that that is going to live with you in infamy. Now I just told the whole internet, <laughs> Captain Cocklips. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Yeah, so to tie this into the topic of the day, I, I applaud anyone that can do a conversion of that Cyclops model to have Cocklips. Cocklips. <laughs> There's plenty Spitting of cocks all over the microphone. In KDM models. So if you need some uh, yes. <laughs> some material. <laughs> There's you have an abundance. Yeah. Exactly. Um but that ogroid. That ogroid, I just love him. He's so mean mm. with the spear and the head cocked to the side. Like, who the hell is coming into my house? Who said my name? What'd you say? Mm? Yeah. I don't, I don't really like monsters and things like that a whole lot. So I don't really care I don't for like this. monsters. I mean, okay. <laughs> Sorry for giving my opinion. Uh, just like you're just casting wide swaths. I don't. I don't like monsters. <laughs> Like when I think of villains, I like them to be largely humanoid. So, like, a, just a big person, then? Yeah, <laughs> a big person, <laughs> sure. Like uh, largely humanoid, so like they can be mostly human, but then they can like also have like one tentacle hand. Yeah, so they're, or like they're largely, or like you know, long dagger-like fingernails, or like claws, or razor sharp talons. That razor, was a reference. Razor sharp talons. Yeah, the chickens. Do the chickens have larger? Yes. Yeah. Dude, okay. Of all the people that like. Uh, I get comments about looking like the most because whenever you put your face on the internet, people yeah. are like, Oh, you look like what? What's your biggest one? Uh, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks. Yeah. My, my biggest two are logic, the rapper mm. and, and you look exactly like him. No, I so. don't. And <laughs> Napoleon dynamite. <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oof. I get so many comments where it's like, my wife came over and she said, I didn't know Napoleon dynamite painted miniatures. Wow. And it's like, Oh, yikes. yikes that, that hurts. Yeah, I get Matt Damon and I get and I, and I get Tom Hanks. I could see Tom Hanks a little bit. I I don't see it at all, but I'll I'll take your word for it. Oh, that one person. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to say that. Okay. So, I had another one that was hilarious that I didn't see, but there is a a female comedian. Oh, it's like the yeah, same yeah. the same yeah, hair, just the haircut same thing. Same haircut and glasses. Yeah. So I'm like, "Damn. That was good." <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was good. Um yeah, so I really want to paint that ogroid. I really have already like like ooh, I think I could paint that for large model Age of Sigmar mm -hmm. and Golden Demon. Again, like I have this all these models that I'm gonna paint for Golden Demon, and I'm not gonna get any of them done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. paint slow as shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a trick. All um, these ideas, not enough time. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the end of another episode of Trapped Under Plastic. We hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. Uh, we've been getting just so many. A wonderful comments from people about just how the podcast is so nice to listen to while they're hobbying and you know i edit the majority of these and whenever i listen to myself talk i'm like i just sound like a douchebag <laughs> all the time and so it's nice to not get a lot of comments about wow you're a douchebag maybe <laughs> maybe it's because the podcast isn't like big yet and the bigger gets then those comments will come out oh but, um, but now that you mention it now people are gonna go yeah, they're like, actually yeah you are a douchebag uh, scott <laughs> i just need to be justified in putting it in writing and you just did that <laughs> well so. you're welcome but yeah I, I mean no douchebag comments yet but lots of really nice comments so we really thank you for that um 
If you guys want to support the podcast, you can do so by uh, contributing money on Patreon and you get access to an extended episode of the podcast. You get the opportunity for us to give feedback to your miniatures and you also get the ability to submit topics for us to discuss in an episode and we will credit you because <laughs> we are taking your names down now. For, for reals this time. <laughs> for reals. Um, but yeah, uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your nerd friends about the podcast and... Anything else, Johnny Boy? We got a sh- we got shirts. Oh, we got shirts. John is wearing one right now. You can find them on Teespring, linked in the show notes and also the yeah. description. They're pretty pretty sexy shirts. Yeah, the logo done by a very talented person. It was awesome. Yeah, great artist. Um, did you say join the Facebook group? Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. You join the Facebook group. Hang out with us there. Share what you're working on in the last two weeks, just like we are doing. Also, either in the comments below or out in the Facebook group, if you try the every day put paint on a paintbrush let me know after a week or two weeks or a month or whatever did it work so awesome until next time see see you see you on the flippity flop (laughs) 